Some people seem to move almost effortlessly from planning into action, but appearances can be deceiving. It all comes down to having a process that works for you. I'm your host, M. David Green. Hack the Process is a show about looking at the systems and processes that we build our lives around to support mindful, meaningful progress. This show explores ways that people get past that pivot point, from having a fantasy to putting something real out there into the world. If you're ready to stop planning and fantasizing and start taking action, let's hack the process together. Few of us grew up learning how to eat well and live a healthy lifestyle. That reality confronted Byron Morrison when his father was diagnosed with colon cancer. Byron took that as a challenge to learn the science behind what he needed to know to help himself and his father get healthier and stay that way. Now he's published a book called Become a Better You and started a coaching business around helping others improve their mindset around health and well-being. In this episode of Hack the Process, Byron will tell us how he learned to adapt his own tendency toward comfort eating, explain why he chose not to create a rigid eating and exercise program for his clients, and walk us through the concrete steps he's taken to build a brand and an audience for his message. Today, I'm speaking with Byron Morrison. He is the author of a book called Become a Better You and a coach who runs a program called Reconstruct a Better You. Byron, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm good. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to talk with you. I've been looking through your writings and your videos and listening to some podcast interviews you've done. You've got an interesting approach to, to personal health. Can you tell us a little bit about what you've been telling people? Yeah, for me, it's kind of taking a lot of what we hear in the industry, which is very much about restricting all of these foods, starving ourselves, spending every day in the gym, and instead turning the focus entirely on its head, getting people to instead look at what they need to put into their bodies to kind of make them feel better, to get their energy up, to regain their focus and change how they feel about themselves. And my approach is very much mindset-based. So I've got a process called Thought Traversal that I developed, which is all about changing the way people think and feel about themselves. So kind of reversing the thoughts and stories in their head, helping them let go of the past, get back their confidence and self-esteem. And then from there, start building on a piece by piece and getting people away from this rut of focusing and obsessing over food and dieting and all these other things that don't really work. Well, wow, there's a lot to dig into there, but I'm, I'm going to dive right into the deep end and ask you about this thought reversal process. What, what is it? What's, what's involved? Basically, it very much started from my own journey. I spent a lot of my youth kind of overweight, um, depressed. I had no self-confidence. I had really low self-esteem. And I kind of found that a lot of my past was still controlling me. Growing up as a, as a kid, I never really fitted in, got bullied pretty badly at school, beaten up a lot. And I kind of carried that through into my adult years. And it was very much a thing where even in my early 20s, I was still hanging on to that. And the more I dived into psychology and NLP and everything like that, I started to see that a lot of my past was still defining me. And even though I couldn't change it, I was still focusing on it. So with Thought Traversal, it's all about reversing the thoughts in your head by getting you clear on who you want to become, looking at what you have to do to close the gap. And then from there, breaking it down into a step-by-step -step process where you look at your habits and behaviors, you look at how you feel about yourself, if you're self-sabotaging yourself with food or other parts of your life, how you manage stress, how you deal with conflict and all of these battles that life throws your way and very much trying to empower you from within. Because when you get that internal shift, that momentum then spills over into your career, your business, your relationships, your outlook on life. And it's all about reversing that voice because that voice can either hold you 
you back, telling you you're a failure, you're not good enough, whatever it is. Or it can fill you with a belief that actually you can go out, you can achieve amazing things, you can do whatever you want and take control of your life. So it's just, again, turning that traditional approach of being controlled around. Interesting. I can see the relationship. NLP, that's neuro-linguistic programming, right? Yeah, it is. That's kind of, I moved on. I very much, when I started out, I was focused on diet and nutrition. And then as I kind of got more into my business and dive deeper into research, I dived more into mindset and found that was truly what I was passionate about. And then as I got involved in NLP, that was kind of changed my focus entirely because I very much found actually, wow, this is the basis of how so many people are holding themselves back. Yeah, it sounds like that that's forming the foundation for a lot of this mindset development you're doing. Yeah, very much. And I think it's really important for people from all walks of life whether they're a job, a business owner, entrepreneur, whatever it is, to get to the core of why they feel the way that they do. Because if they have these thoughts and feelings that are they're afraid of failure, judgment, people around them not being good enough, they're never going to get the success that they want or deserve. So I think before we do anything else, we have to get our mindset in the right place. So how did you discover NLP? I started on my own journey. Someone introduced me to Tony Robbins. And I kind of read a couple of his books, looked more into his history, saw that he was kind of NLP trained. And that kind of raised my kind of interest about it. And I was working with a business coach a while ago. And as part of that, we had a mindset guy that we we're working with every week. And he was a NLP practitioner. And he kind of got me started on it and sent me away. And I did a load of courses and stuff on it to back up my own coaching and integrate it within it. So it was a bit of a mix of the both. Yeah. You brought in a number of things in there as well. You So you were working with a business coach and separately from that, somebody who specializes in mindset. Yeah, it was actually a really interesting path that I found for it. I kind of went into a business coaching program and every week he had a mindset guy that he was working as part of it who would sit down with everyone, kind of look at the mental barriers that they were facing, kind of what was holding them back. Because I think even as a coach, we still need to find coaches who are going to help and guide us and help us grow because it's quite easy to sit there and help someone else. But at times we need that kind of awareness from other people to kind of actually kind of unlock that inner power within us. I think more essentially as a coach than perhaps any other field. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people kind of overlook the benefit of actually working with a coach and what you can get out of it. And I think it's kind of easy to fall into this routine where we're so focused on generating leads, marketing, sales, and everything else, but we're overlooking the core of the problem, which if we're not confident, your leads are going to see that. The people you're trying to get to follow you, everyone around you, your staff and everyone else. And if you don't feel good about who you are, you're not getting the right results, your business is going to suffer. I think a big turning point for a lot of people is getting that right, getting that shift, and then the success comes. I can see that. So this is something that you figured out while working with your coach. It's something that I'd been working on before, and then that kind of reinforced it as well. So that was about a year and a half ago that I went through that process. So then I've kind of carried on with it from there. Well, that's interesting. So you've only been on this journey for a short while then. I've been working as a coach for about three years now. Yeah, it kind of started after my book came out. I kind of started working as a personal trainer for a while, working as like a health coach. And then I've kind of progressed on my own journey and kind of found my own way into it of what I wanted to do. And that's why I've kind of landed up kind of on the mindset aspect of it. So the coaching came out of the book then? Yeah, just to kind of tell you a little bit about how the book came about, because I think it's a central part of the story. Like I said before, a few years ago, I was overweight. I was depressed, had no confidence. My life pretty much revolved around getting up, going to work, locking myself away. And then my dad got cancer. And that pretty much turned my whole life around. 
during his treatment, he had most of his bowel surgically removed and he spent 25 days in ICU. Most of that, he was on life support and breathing through a tracheostomy. And for me, that was the wake-up call. If I don't do something about this now, then that was going to be me. So I always had this big disassociation where I hated exercise, thought I would never enjoy being in a gym, thought it was for people who I wasn't like, therefore it wasn't for me. I didn't know how to eat healthy. So I very much had to start at the bottom, had to start learning what to put into my body, how to fuel it, how to stop moving and work on my own habits and behaviors. And that kind of, as I got by, turned my own, own health around and learned everything I could about health, nutrition, fighting diseases, changing behaviors. That inspired the book to help people who were like me, who were at the start of their journey, didn't really know what to do and needed the guidance and support to get going. And that can be a shocking experience. I hope your father's okay. He's doing great now. Thanks. He's had six years clear so that is wonderful yeah (laughs) was what he learned about nutrition and about exercise part of how you learned he kind of didn't learn anything about i kind of took him on afterwards once i got myself sore he was one of the first people that i helped oh really if he can change and start getting his life around then anyone can because he was so set in his ways so that's been a big turning point game working with my parents and then from there the natural progression after that was to kind of help others who were struggling like i was that must be so satisfying to be able to go back to your father, somebody who is such an important figure in your life, and to be able to help him. It was huge. And it's just, even now, I still have to moan at him and cut down on his sugar intake. But apart from that, he's doing really well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. The issue is, I'm sure the way that he grew up, the way that you grew up, none of us know what good nutrition actually is. And there's so much conflicting information out there. You were in an emergency situation in, in your own mindset because you had this example in your life. I'm curious how you found a path that you felt was the right one to follow for your own health. For me, it all comes down to balance. It depends what perspective you're coming from it, to it from. If you want to lose weight or if you want to be healthy, because all of these trends and these fads, a lot of them are all based around restriction. It's whether it's a diet, essentially whatever it is, it's about taking foods out in order to try and lose weight. Whereas for me, the way that I look at it, we need to fuel our bodies with the right nutrients, make sure we don't have any deficiencies. We're getting stuff to boost our immune system, our health, our energy, and everything else. So for me, the basics of nutrition is actually very, very simple. It's eat enough fruits and vegetables every day, some healthy fats and some protein. You really don't need to overthink it. People get so caught up obsessing over counting calories and all these different fads when essentially if you can, in my book, I talk about the 80-20 rule, just like in everything else in life, your diet's 80% healthy based around vegetables, fruits, healthy fats such as avocados, nuts, seeds, olive oil, and then lean cuts of protein. And you're essentially going to get everything that you need as long as you're careful with it. And then there's still room for everything else. Like I still eat cheesecake, ice cream, chocolate, and whatever else. So I'd never sit here and tell someone they couldn't have it. And for a lot of people coming to work with me, it's a complete different shock to anything else they've done because they've always been told, oh, you can't eat that ever again, otherwise you're going to get fat. Whereas for me, it's just like have a bit of everything. It's not going to hurt. And you take that pressure off and then you can actually start enjoying it. That's interesting. I think sometimes people might have a tendency in a situation like that to maybe even lie to themselves about what they have actually eaten if they really have access to everything. The funniest thing is if you get someone to keep a food diary for a week and they'll come back and they'll be like, I can't believe that's what I've eaten over a course of a week. I didn't think I was that bad. Because a lot of people will be like, oh, that donut on Tuesday was my only donut of the week. But if you look at it properly, that donut on Tuesday is then topped with like a pizza on Wednesday at 
whole chocolate bar on Thursday, some beers on Friday, uh, takeaway on Saturday, and through the course of the week, and then snacking on biscuits in between and everything else, it's actually raising a lot of awareness as to what you're actually putting into your body. And for a lot of people, that can kind of just be a big shock that they need to be kind of more considerate. And it's just nothing has to be restricted or off limits, but we do need to focus firstly on putting the right foods in and then everything else can kind of be whatever we want. And one thing I always say to people is it's taken you, what, 5, 10, 20, 30 years to get to this point. You can't undo it overnight. And all of these diets and trends are saying people have to fail from the start. So treat it instead of, can I eat this way for the rest of my life? If not, then it's not going to work. And that's why instead, strip it back, focus on what your body needs and start making gradual changes and everything will come together. That's interesting. I'm wondering how you get people to keep an accurate food diary. The easiest way is picture diary. So before they eat anything, take a picture. Oh, really? Or instead, keep a notepad and pen or on their phone and write it down before the meal. And also a really interesting thing to do with it is to write down how they're feeling at the time, because if they're angry or they're upset or they're stressed out or whatever it is, you can start looking for links between emotions and eating habits. So if you find out someone has a stressful meeting and then their response is to go and eat a cake, you can kind of think, okay, that's a trigger point. We need to have a look at changing that to get you to turn to something else instead. So it's all about honesty. It's not a judgment thing. It's that we need to get you clear on what you're doing now so that you can decide what you want to change. It takes a fair bit of self-awareness, though, sometimes, even just to know what your own mood is at a certain point. I think for a lot of us, deep down inside, we know, though. Like, example, a lot of people, if they're feeling sad or lonely, they might comfort eat just to try and make themselves feel better. And they're aware if they ask themselves in that moment, okay, I'm going to dive into this bag of cookies. Honestly, how am I feeling? And it's just kind of getting people to face that because a lot of us, I know especially for myself back when I was had really bad eating behaviors, I was oblivious to it. I was just doing it because I did. But once you start thinking about it, then it starts to change it in you and getting you to actually become aware. So I think accepting it and kind of facing it head on is the first step in that awareness. Do you mind sharing some of the triggers that happened in your life that were causing you to, to eat in ways that you didn't feel were the best for you? I'll give you one of my favorite examples of it. I had a time when I was back at um, university where I was really stressed out. Normally, my response would be to turn to chocolate, but I was kind of on a diet trying to restrict all of these foods and pretty much just starving myself, living on vegetables and other stuff, trying to lose weight. And I got an exam result back that really didn't go according to plan. And in the moment, I panicked. So I went out to the supermarket and I landed up buying like a whole cheesecake and this chocolate mousse. Uh, in the moment, all I could think about is that'll make me feel better. And I actually got home and I just devoured it all. And I ate until I threw up. And then I was like, that didn't make me feel better at all. It just made me feel ill because I ate all of it. And it was just a response in the moment where to something that I couldn't control. Because for a lot of people, the reason why they've got bad eating habits and behaviors is because they're trying to respond to something in their life that they have no hold over. So whether that's stress, the kids, their business, their career, whatever it else, it might feel like it's spiraling out of control. They can't actually stop it. So they turn to the one thing they can control, which is food those situations still come up, I'm sure, in your life as well. How do you adapt those triggers so that they don't cause that kind of effect? That's where the thought traversal comes in, because it's starting to get people to see that they've got the ability to choose how they respond to any given situation. And once you accept that, that's when you empower yourself. Because say you're having a moment where you're stressed out, and you want to go and get a chocolate bar to make yourself feel better, you can subconsciously reprogram your mind to see, do you know what? 
that choosing to be upset and stressed out is a choice, whereas you can also choose to rationally take a deep breath, refocus, think about your situation and actually gather your thoughts and think about how you can respond to it going forward. Because for a lot of people, we kind of put the blame or focus out of our hands. Whereas when we actually think about it, that you can choose how you respond to it, that starts to start to change and kind of see different perspectives of the world. Hmm. It's hard to get my head around, honestly. I, I know that chocolate craving and it, it's a difficult thing to replace with a positive idea. Instead of a positive idea, though, it can be finding a different outlet. So it can be going for a walk, going to calling a friend, doing some chores, listening to music, even cleaning the house, anything else to change that trigger. My absolute favorite way to do it that I get people to do on my program is get them to say to themselves that they can have the chocolate bar, but they have to wait 15 minutes and have a glass of water. Because by putting that 15-minute barrier in place, then you break the acting on impulse. And after 15 minutes, they might have seen that actually it was a response to their emotions and their feelings. They don't actually want it anymore. Or maybe they were thirsty because it's really easy to confuse feelings of thirst and hunger. And then from there, at the end of the 15 minutes, if they still want it, they can have it and not feel guilty because they truly want it. And just by doing that, it puts them back in control. I can see that. And you mentioned thirst and hunger. I've certainly had the experience myself of when I realized that it was just thirst and not hunger, it changed my approach to how I eat tremendously. That's why I think it's so important as well from not just a health, but also a focus and the how you feel perspective to drink enough water every day. Because when you're dehydrated, everything suffers from your food cravings to energy levels, your focus, your sleep, your mood and everything else. And just from a starting perspective, just focusing on drinking more water is going to have a massive impact on your metabolism, your body functions, because it's involved in pretty much every process in your body. Absolutely. So the book that you've written, is it's mostly about the eating side of things, or does it also bring in the exercise and lifestyle changes as well? Basically, it's broken down into four pillars, which I call the four pillars of health. So pillar number one is mindset and changing how you think and feel about yourself, your life, your habits, kind of letting go of the past. Pillar number two is exercise. So it's getting people to move in a way that works for them. So not saying you have to go spend every day in the gym. It might just be walking a little bit more, doing something at home. There's some at-home workouts and stuff in there. Pillar number three goes into nutrition. So rather than giving people a prescribed diet, it teaches them how to eat healthy, basics of nutrition, how to put together balanced meals and create a diet out of foods they actually enjoy so that they don't actually have to be on a diet and how to lose weight and eat healthy. And then pillar four kind of brings it all together, which is rest and recovery. So ways to kind of improve sleep, actually manage stress, reduce toxins going into your body. And then from there, taking those four pillars and tailoring a journey around the individual that gets them clear on who they want to become and then breaks it down into a step-by-step -step process. So it leads them to kind of move forward in all areas of their life and empowers them to become the best version of themselves. That's why it's become a better you. <laughs> Yes. And one of the things I love about the book, you look at the cover of it and you've got the word perfect you and then you've crossed out perfect and replaced it with better. That's what it is for me, though, because so many people put this pressure on themselves that they have to be perfect. And when you can kind of realize that you're not perfect and there's no need to be, that's when you can start setting yourself free. Because for me, it's all about being better. Because when you put the pressure on yourself to be perfect, you're probably scared about something and you're setting yourself up to fail from the start. 
you take that pressure off and that's when you can start getting better results and happiness and actually start enjoying the journey. Because one of the biggest takeaways that I got from what happened to my dad is time is the one thing we can never get back. And we spend so much time fixating on the end result that we don't enjoy the journey. And that's why one of my biggest messages is to people is learn to fall in love with the process. Because regardless of how long it takes you to get there, if you can wake up every single day, focus on gratitude, self-awareness, and empathy, and enjoy life, that's when you're going to get the happiness and success in all areas. And that's when you can actually live a fulfilling life. Because the one thing I never want anyone to do is to kind of wake up at 75 and look back at what they could have done filled with kind of what ifs and the life they could have lived. And for me, the scariest thing is regret. And that's why I think we really need to focus on self-awareness, fueling our body with our needs in a way that isn't making us miserable, and also finding a balance between what, who we are and who we want to be, and just trying to build towards it every day the best that we can. Yeah, focusing on the process. And you're preaching to the choir here, I can tell you. <laughs> So the process that people go through when they go through your book, I'm curious, is, is it something step by step where they can go how much you prescribe for how much for what they're going to do when they're reading your book? I honestly don't prescribe anything. I don't think it's my place to tell someone how to live their life. Instead, the way I break it down is be like, this is the journey I went on. I spent two and a half years researching, getting qualified nutrition, fitness, behavior change. This is what I learned break it down back by scientific studies, give them the information and then teach them how to choose for themselves. It's not my place to tell someone how to live their life, but I can guide them on kind of making decisions for themselves. So give them the information and then get them to make a choice. So for example, with the diet section, it's just like go through basics of nutrition, how to put together balanced meals. These are uh, healthy foods. And then you can choose how you choose to eat, whether you want to go vegetarian, whether you want to eat meat, whether you want to go on a high fat diet, give people the information they want, and they can make their own informed choice. So if you teach people to listen to their bodies, their emotions, and give them the information, they can tailor their own journey from there. So it, it kind of selects for your audience. I know that there are people out there who do want somebody to give them a rigid plan that they're going to follow just to make it easier for them so they don't have to think. 100% there's so many of those out there. But for me, the problem with that is it's not sustainable long term because I found for myself when I first started out, I went to a personal trainer and they gave me a diet plan and a workout plan. And then when I stopped going to him, I didn't know what to do. And I see this with a lot of these weight loss groups as well. They'll go and people have their diet plan. And then as soon as they stop going, they're like, what now? They don't know what foods to eat. They don't know what to put into their body. They don't know how to move forward. So you teach people in a way that isn't overwhelming, isn't difficult or complicated, and teach them how to think for themselves. And then they can do it for the rest of their lives. So that's very much what I'm all about. It's not about a quick fix or miracle cure. I think that's a keen insight. And it occurs to me that some of those programs might be out there with such rigid structures because it locks people in and keeps them coming back. 100%. And also, it's kind of an easy sell because people don't want to do the work. People kind of want the quick fix and the miracle cure. And to be perfectly honest, I could make far more money by putting together a diet and weight loss program and being like, do this. But the reason I don't is because I know it's not going to work long term. And that's why for me, it's so much more essential to give people the knowledge and skills that they need, because I find it absolutely ludicrous that this isn't a basic life skill. Because when I was at school, they didn't teach us about basics, nutrition, how to eat healthy or anything else. And this is something that you've got to do three times a day, every day for the rest of your life. 
like the way I see it, this should be up there with knowing how to read and write. There's very few things that are kind of more important than this because if you don't have your health, then what do you truly have? That's why I think on a global scale, it's something we need more awareness about. And that's why I've made it my mission from day one to kind of change the way that people use and think about food and show others that a healthy lifestyle is actually achievable for everyone. And it sounds like that's also the motivation behind the way that you're structuring your business as well, because you launched a book and now you're doing coaching and you know that there are ways you could be making more money, but you've consciously decided to go down this path. I think at the end of the day, we've all got to be self-aware about who we are and what helps us sleep at night. Everyone's different. Everyone's got their own mission, their own journey, their own path. And if you can wake up every day excited to be alive, know that you make an impact, you're doing something that fulfills you, then I don't think you can really ask for much more. When you started this, what was your profession and how did you transition into what you're doing now? I'll kind of backtrack it slightly. Um, coming out of school, I was doing a bit of entrepreneur stuff. I was playing in bands a lot, doing a lot of music. So I would run our own music shows and then I went to university and I started a booking agency. So I was kind of going into different bars and clubs and putting on live music nights. So it was a lot of online marketing, promotion and all of that. And then I kind of went traveling for a bit, didn't know what I wanted to do. And after my dad's cancer, I kind of went and got a master's degree in business because I had absolutely no clue what I wanted to do. So I was like, if I'll go do that, maybe it'll give me a grounding or give me some vision. So I came out of that, still had no clue what to do, got a business job that I hated and then I thought, okay, I've done marketing in the past. I'll go get a marketing job. I enjoyed social media and all of that. So I fell into marketing, did that for about a year. Like a lot of people coming out of university, I told myself, you've got to set, just put your head down, get experience, work your way up. Everything will be great eventually, but you've got to pay your dues. So after about a year and a bit, I got an interview in my dream city for my dream job at this fancy marketing agency with all of the perks, all of the clients. And I remember driving there like, life's now going to be amazing. It's everything I've worked for. And halfway through the interview, I realized I don't hate my job. I hate my entire career because the guy was talking to me about how I'd be managing all their Twitter profiles and everything. And I was just sat there. I cannot think of anything worse. So <laughs> I went home that night on the drive back. I canceled my move to the city. I turned down the job and I realized in the interview that what I truly cared about was nutrition and health. So I had been studying it for the last year and a half. So I thought I need to get qualified in this. And that's the direction I'm going to go in. So I literally made a plan that night, sat down, canceled everything, stayed in the job I was in for the next year, put my head down, got qualified, started my book, and then eventually left that job and got the book out and then moved into coaching. So you, you stuck with the career that you had for a while while you were building this rather than just jumping in full. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty horrible, to be honest. I was kind of getting up at half four every morning to kind of work on the book, going to the gym at half eight, to half nine, then working from half nine to half five, going home and working on the book and coaching business to about 10, 11 at night. And I did that for about 10 months until I could finally get everything up. No, it, it takes a lot of commitment, but it sounds like you were really motivated by this vision that you had. The thing I find really funny is when I was working for a company doing all their social media and their design and their website and marketing, I absolutely hated it. Whereas now I'm doing it for myself and I love it. So I think again, it comes down to perspective and do you actually care about what you're doing? Because I think for a lot of people, they don't have that passion and that's holding them back. So where along that path did you actually seek out coaching yourself? Different times. I kind of, when I first started trying to get healthy, I went to a personal trainer 
and I went to various different personal trainers to kind of coach me on the fitness and nutrition side. And then after I launched my business, I kind of joined, I worked with a coach for a while who kind of helped me get up and running and he was a mindset guy. And then further down the line, about a year and a half after that, that was when I worked with the other program I said, who was kind of more of a business coach and mindset guy. So I've had various different coaches I've worked with along the way. Interesting. And how to structure a business like this can be very different for different people. How did you learn how to structure it? Very much trial and error. I very much made it up as I went along. I spent more time than I want to think about reading business books and looking online and watching tutorials and kind of learning all the ins and outs. And then it was just trying to find what worked for me. I think the most important part out of all of it is getting clear on your message and who you are and kind of getting a following and building a community around it and then looking at ways to kind of integrate it and to a certain extent automate it just to kind of make things a little bit easier. So things that worked really well for me were like seven-day challenges, getting in front of hundreds if not thousands of people at once and kind of just doing everything you can to get yourself in front of who you want to reach. Interesting. That involves defining who you want to reach also. Yeah. What's a seven-day challenge? Tell me about that. I kind of start out when I first started like seven days, no added sugar. And then I kind of branched out. I would do lifestyle-based challenges or accepting yourself and just different aspects of it's a really good way to impact hundreds of people in a week, kind of give them useful information, put them in a community, get them from point A to point B, build trust actually add value and then kind of from there give them the option if they want further help or set them up in a position where they can carry on by themselves so you can help a lot of people at the same time it's also getting the name of yourself out there so i'm going to rewind a little bit and i'm going to ask how do you find those people and get them engaged in a seven-day challenge to start with facebook ads pretty much everything Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, Facebook ads pretty much consumed far too much of my time trying to study and learn how to do them. So that's kind of, I think I'm quite lucky in the sense that because I worked in marketing for such a long time, I had the background to kind of understand it and throw myself into it. So it made creating a business far easier from that point of view. Interesting. Can you walk us through the steps involved in creating one of those seven-day challenges, advertising it, getting people in, and then giving them something, I assume, in order to keep them moving forward? Yeah, First step would be deciding on a challenge topic. So let's just take the sugar as an example where I didn't know I added sugar. Kind of then from there, I needed to plan out what I was going to do over seven days. So just get a rough idea, structuring it around every single day I do a live video. I would set tasks for the day to kind of get them involved, stuff like reading food labels. Then from there, I'd need to kind of work out who my target market was. So for the sugar challenges, I would primarily target ladies aged 35 to 55 because kind of I think for them, a lot of them have got younger kids. So teaching them how to eat healthier, then they're going to be able to pass that information on to their family so you can create a bigger impact. Then from there, start with Facebook advertising. Um, I tried different ways. I found lead forms in the end was probably the easiest, but did experiment with kind of video ads and also with landing pages, but conversion rate-wise, lead ads were probably the cheapest then from there get them in run the ads for about five days open the group redirects to a facebook group after that open the group on a saturday get everyone to introduce themselves drip feed content saturday and sunday to get them set up and then from monday to the following sunday start with live videos every day on the topic of choice and then at the end of it talk them through what to do next so that's kind of a rough overview and i've seen it in business a lot as well 
there's a lot of people kind of do five days to creating a funnel or five days to improving your sales technique or it's very much you can do it on anything you want as long as you can add value and you can get a person from point a to point b can be very successful that's awesome and how would you measure your success from one of these programs Sales is definitely, to a certain extent, kind of how people do and respond to it. Because if people don't resonate with your message or the value you're trying to give to them, then you very much know that you need to kind of refine it. But also, I think people following you, because I still have people now who went through my challenges two years ago, who are following my page, who are commenting on stuff, who are messaging me and emailing me. So seeing the impact that's had on them and getting them to actually have that desire to follow you and what you're doing, for me, is a big thing. Because knowing that you've done something to help them is why I got into this in the first place. Yes, absolutely. And do you make any effort to get them off of like the Facebook platform and into a private email list or anything like that? That's one thing I should have probably said. When people sign up from lead ads or landing page or whatever, they put their email address in. So you get them onto the mailing list. And then at the end of the challenge, I normally close it out and move them to a central Facebook group. So you've got that continued trust and support. Okay. So a central Facebook group so that you can drip out content and also a mailing list so you can continue to stay in touch with them. Yeah. So you continue building trust and continue building it from there. So pretty much everything that I've built out in my business has come from seven-day challenges. And that's kind of, I think, the easiest way to make the biggest impact in the shortest time. And that also helped define your market because it was the people you were targeting, these women 30 to 50. Yeah, 100%. And that's kind of led me to like the point where I'm kind of branching out now a little bit more as I've done this for the last few years. And like everyone else, I'm kind of on my own journey. So you kind of work with different markets, see what's important to you. So while I've got my Reconstructed Better You program, which is just for women, I want to do something more now based around entrepreneurs. Because I think about the mental barriers that I faced when I was starting out, all of those fears of failure, where feeling like you're not good enough and everything else and kind of helping people with that aspect to get the success they deserve. So that's why I'm kind of branching out now to do something for younger entrepreneurs to, well, not really younger, it's kind of late 20s to 40s kind of entrepreneurs to get that mindset shift to really start actually getting the life that they want. What is the word for not younger, but new to it? Is there, there are people coming new to it who are in their 60s, 70s? I think, yeah, I think for me as well, it's just kind of helping people who are at a point where I was a few years ago. That makes sense. I think there's a lot of need for that out there as well. 100%. I think we need far bigger focus. It's just like if everyone just becomes a little bit more aware about who they are, has empathy for everyone else and practices gratitude every day, they'd be far happier. And those are why they're pretty much the three key pillars that I kind of use in my work, just self-awareness, gratitude, and empathy. That's a strong foundation to start with. At the end of the day, we only have one life. So we need to make the most of the time. We need to make the biggest impact we can. And there's no really point in doing anything for me if you're not happy. I think if people kind of stop for a moment, thought about life, thought about who they are, what they want, they'd be far more fulfilled rather than having this habit of always focusing on the negatives. Because we're always focused on what we have to give up, what we don't have, what we want. Then that negative energy and mindset consumes us. Whereas if we take a step back and think about, actually, this is who we are. This is the life that we have, the people around us, what we're actually doing. We can start focusing on actually taking that positive energy and putting it into every other area of our life. And that actually gives us that inspiration and motivation from within to start living our lives. Because the amount of people I speak to who come to me that have been struggling for 10, 15, 20 years, they don't know who they are. They don't have any confidence and they're locking themselves away. They're depressed. They're anxious, overwhelmed. And for me, it's heartbreaking. Because that's how I spent most of my teenage years and early 20s. And looking back, it's such a waste. 
like I wish someone kind of just got me to look at the bigger picture of life and got me to start focusing on gratitude and self-awareness and got this shift earlier. I think that's why my message resonates with people because I'm not preaching. I'm like, that was me. I get it. But if I can make it out of this, so can you. And this is how we do it. We build on it step by step. It's an inspiring message. And it's true. What we focus on is what we draw to ourselves. It's what we put in our lives. 100%. Like when you focus on something, you get more of it. So rather than focusing on the negatives and everything going wrong, let's take a moment to actually focus on the positives, get the right energy, get the right shift. And a big part of that's your environment as well. Because one thing that I do a fair few Facebook rants about is the fact that you scroll down your newsfeed. And it's just complaint after complaint after complaint. Something goes wrong and people have to go and check in and they have to share it and look for attention. And this whole victim mentality, the whole negativity is consuming our society. Whereas if you if you look at the happiest and most successful people, they're kind of embracing every day. When you're more positive and you're more focused on what you're doing, you're more resilient to challenges that come up. You feel better about who you are. And again, it all comes down to perspective. Because in the grand scheme of things, yes, there's horrible things going on in the world. There's genocides, there's people starving, there's natural disasters. But there's never been a better time to be alive. The generations before us went through world wars, they went through plagues, they went through famines. We literally live in a world where you can go out, do anything you want. You can create something from nothing. You can see the world. You can get any life that you want. But we're not really embracing that or focusing on it. We're just focusing on the fact that we don't have the latest iPhone or we don't have the nicest car or someone said something that was mean and we let all of that consume us rather than actually this incredible opportunity that we have that we're alive that we're breathing and the fact that we have a three trillion to one chance of being born like that's absolutely insane like the fact that we're even here and we're alive for me is something that we need to start paying attention to you have to remember those miracles all the time and we have a limited amount of time and we have to focus on on the things that make us happy and that can bring the most pleasure to ourselves and to the people around us i want to find out what your routine is and how you structure your time my days are kind of i wake up every morning try and not try most days unless it's pouring down with rain i'll go for a walk just 10 minutes get some fresh air kind of take in the surroundings mentally focus for the day ahead and i'll come home have something to eat and i'll normally have kind of a plan for the week of what I need to get done. I'll kind of revisit that, look at top priorities. In between that, I'm creating content, dealing with clients, putting everything else done in the business in the right order. And then I'll kind of try most evenings to structure my life in a way that I can turn off from about six in the evening, take some time to practice what I preach, kind of have that balance to actually mentally give myself a break to focus on who I am go to the gym, make sure I'm getting some exercise. I have a big passion for cooking, um, massive kind of movie fan. So I'll do stuff that kind of fulfills me, spend time with my partner, family. That's a central part of my life, kind of gratitude and actually just doing stuff that I enjoy. I think a lot of the times when I was depressed and to the point that I even got my food shopping delivered. So it was one reason less to leave the house. Now it's kind of making myself go out and see things, do things I want to do and enjoying life, traveling a lot, kind of seeing new places. Are you a solopreneur? Yes, I am. I work from home. So it's kind of set up. I've got my own office. And I think for solopreneurs, it's very much you have to be focused. And I think that's why the mindset really comes into it. Because especially if you're working for yourself and you haven't got someone pushing you, it's very easy to lose motivation, especially when things aren't going well. And that's kind of why I'm branching out to the entrepreneur's route to kind of help people get that shift 
and get them to feel better about who they are and be like, if you're struggling right now, it's okay. Everyone goes through for it, but you're struggling for a reason. Whatever you want in your life, if you're not, if it was easy, everyone would be doing it. So as a solopreneur, I'm curious if you've given some thought to how you scale your business. How do you get more out of the, the time that you can put into it? My vision for the next few years is I'm going to go from a solopreneur to I want to get my own office, take on a team of lifestyle coaches, obviously some sales and marketing people and kind of grow out the business from there. Uh, so I can move more into kind of doing workshops, talks and everything else. And the big dream is I definitely want to do a TED talk and get more involved in education. So that's kind of the how I'm going to be scaling it in the next few years to kind of give me that freedom to give back and focus on what I want. That's awesome. And I'm sure that your message is going to be, have resonated with a number of people who are out here listening. How do you recommend people find you and find out about getting in touch with you? The easiest way is to hit me up on uh, social media. So it's Tailored Lifestyles or go to tailoredlifestyles.co.uk or reconstructabetteryou.com. People can also find my book on Amazon. It's Become a Better You. Awesome. Become a Better You by Byron Morrison. If anyone does have any questions kind of about anything to do with health, nutrition, mindset, or wants to find out more about how I can help them, just drop me an email. Okay, awesome. And it's uh, Become a Better You by Byron Morrison, and the book is on Amazon. There'll definitely be links to that in the show notes as well. And Byron, thank you so much for joining us on Hack the Process today. No, I really enjoy you having me on. and Thanks for your time today. Are you glad you listened to this episode of Hack the Process? Then take an action now. Make a note about something you just heard and how it's going to help you as you hack your own process. And let me know about it. This has been M. David Green, your host for Hack the Process. You can tweet me at Hack the Process, leave a review for the show on iTunes, and visit hacktheprocess.com to check out the show notes for this episode and join our community of process hackers. Thanks for listening. <laughs>